thanks so much, everybody, for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. How are you all doing this morning? Isn't it great to be here? I think it is to be back here with you guys and to be able to spend some time with you. I think it's absolutely wonderful. How are you all doing? It's been a while. <laughs> like everybody else, we had to take some vacation, right? <laughs> wow. So we had to take some vacation, everybody, because we needed some vacation time. I don't know about you, but uh, I needed some vacation time. <laughs> right? Uh, we're talking about Through the Fire this morning, and uh, we're talking about it. Good morning, everybody. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter, and today is July. Of course it is. Today is July 12th, actually, and the 12th of July. Isn't that incredible? It's the 12th of July, and here we find ourselves right smack in the midst of practically a burgeoning civil war here in the United States. I can't believe it. I don't know about you, but I'm finding it very difficult to believe that. We're also in the midst of summer and what appears to be a resurgence of the coronavirus, something we had talked about back in February and March, that this virus was not going to go away and that this virus was here to stay. And right here we are. Here we are, everybody. We're here. We are here. (laughs) How are you all doing? I trust you're well and safe and that you're wearing your mask and that you are following the dictates of the CDC. I had nightmares last night about the CDC. Please, I'm begging you all, do what they say, right? If they say wear a mask, wear a mask. If they say jump three times, jump three times. If they come back and retract it, retract it. If then they come back and say wear a mask, wear it. They're studying this virus, and the way that this virus is moving fast and mutating, they can't begin to tell you all that is going on. There's actually an internal fight within the CDC. How much should they disclose to the public and how much they shouldn't? And here we are as the public. We're caught up in the midst of this. So the only thing we can do, right, is pray. So if they say wear a mask, wear a mask. If they say stand 12 feet, stay 12 feet. That means for those of us who are not married, we shouldn't be meeting and hooking up with people we just met. Because the coronavirus is spreading through semen. (laughs) I'm just telling you. So if you're going to have sex, be safe about it. If it's not your long-term partner, be safe about it. I'm just saying, just so you all know, because some of us are walking around with the antibodies to the virus, and we don't even know that we have it. See what I mean? So be very, very careful when you are uh, out there in the public. I myself wear a mask. I don't often wear gloves because sometimes it's self-defeating, right? But I do keep hand sanitizer in my car, and I do try to, uh, as much as possible, to make sure that I'm compliant for myself and for you, right? But today is Sunday, so I want to talk about Through the Fire. You know, I've been searching for something to talk about this morning, and uh, it occurred to me that I should talk about through the fire. Now, many of you know that I have written a book by the same name. In fact, if you look behind me, you can see one of the posters for it. My office is a little discombobulated. We've been on vacation. Nothing's been cleaned. All the mail and so on just kind of just got thrown down. So forgive me. It hasn't been sorted 
We haven't gone through anything. It's still looking like <laughs> because it's not regular, right? But this is not a regular season, is it? By no stretch of the imagination can we refer to this as a regular season. There's nothing typical or regular about the season that we are in. I believe that it took most of us by surprise. We didn't know this was coming. We couldn't have foreseen it. And we didn't know what to do. And so we looked to our leaders for guidance and for support and, and to tell us where to go, what to do. And even when that became, it became obvious that that wasn't forthcoming, we looked to other sources. But the one source I know that is verifiable, the one source that I know is never going to disappoint is God. So when the virus became an issue earlier in the year, towards the end of January, I thought this was something that we needed to look at. So I went and looked around and I saw where it was trending in China. And because I thought, well, it is far away, but people do travel back and forth from China. There is a possibility that it might land here. But then I went to pray about it. I went to the ultimate source, the source, God. I went to pray about it. And in early February, the Lord took me to the scriptures in, 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 in Exodus chapter 10 that talks about the plagues. At the same time that the virus was moving around through the earth, you know what else was going on? The locusts were coming. The climate change is bad. Unusual weather phenomena. It was just a crazy, crazy, crazy time. I kid you not. And as we looked up unto the hills from whence cometh our help, it was clear the Lord was speaking that this was eventually going to come to the U.S. and that it was airborne and that we needed to take to take matters into our own hands because there was no leadership coming. So before they started talking about the possibility of it being in America, well, by the time the news media started, I was already shopping. I had already gone and bought all the bleach I could, the disinfecting spray and all that kind of stuff. And then I thought about food because, you know, I'm like, we go to the supermarket when you need to. I don't want to keep a lot of food on. But then I have a freezer. So I plugged the freezer in and stocked up. I kid you not, just a matter of preparation. I knew it was going to be bad. And I, when, the, when the virus finally came to Michigan and to New York and so on, I knew how bad it was going to be. And I prayed fervently that people would listen and take heed. But now people wanted to be liberated. The leaders said that liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota. People thought that that was something they should do. And before you know it, like, I, like me and everybody else thought, this was going to get bad. And now here we are. We're in a resurgence. This is not the second wave. The second wave is the wave in the fall. We're in a resurgence of the virus, something that was entirely preventable. More lives are going to be lost because here's the deal. Once the virus hits, the mortality rate lags behind. So when the cases went up, people started saying, well, at least nobody's dying. Well, it's not just that we had gotten better at treating the virus. It's also that the mortality rate lags behind. The virus changes when it goes into each environment. At first, they used to tell us that in the summer it would entirely go away because heat took it away. That wasn't true. Places that experienced tropical weather, like some parts of Brazil and some parts of the Caribbean and Africa, were experiencing the coronavirus. Florida is as hot as Satan's Cove, and Florida has the virus. So does Arizona and Texas. And now we're going to see the mortality rate go up and up and up. 
My friends, we are walking through the fire. On the one hand, we're fighting the virus, which is all-consuming. It's taxed state resources. It's taxed our healthcare resources. It's taxed our own emotional capability to comprehend the mammothness of what we're going through. And in the midst of that, we also have, guess what? We have Black Lives Matter. We have a move against injustice and police brutality. And just when you thought it was going to die down, just when you thought it, was, it, it should have died down, here comes another video of police in Allentown, Pennsylvania, kneeling on a black man's neck. And you have to ask yourself, at what point are we going to get the memo? At what point are some of us going to give it up that the Confederacy is over, been over, ain't never coming back, and that we have to move on. At what point will we get the memo, Jesus? At what point, America, are we going to get the memo that we have irrevocably crossed over, that we have changed, and our nation can never go back to its racist roots? Yes, racism started the nation. Yes, slavery started the nation, but it's over. It's been over for 150 years now, and it's got to go. When will we get that memo, read the memo, and articulate the memo and understand that that memo is final. When? We are walking literally through the fire. It's summer in America. You know what happens during summertime? The barbecues, get-togethers, cookouts. We cook on our dens. We cook on our, our decks. We go to the park. We jog. We walk around. We lay on the grass. We look up in the sky. We go hiking. We go summer camping. We go to the waterfalls. We go kayaking. We travel overseas. We travel within the country. We visit family. That's what happens in the summer because when the fall returns, kids go back to school, life goes back to normal, and it's like, okay, back to life, back to reality. In this summer, instead of planning for the fall, we're planning for deaths. We're planning for mass graves. We're planning for hospitals and needing more resources. We're planning for the coronavirus resurgence in the fall. We're trying to figure out, is it safe for us to send our kids back to school in the fall? And in spite of all of that, we're still doing it along partisan lines, like we haven't grown up. Are we children? It is what is good for all and what is good for the country. It's not what is good for your party to make you look good. Are we children? Why are we you know, drawing these along partisan lines? Why are we being so divisive? Why can't we grow up and get the memo that times have changed? Why can't we get the memo that the way we campaigned in 2016 is a different time and a different reality in 2020? You can't hold mass rallies in 2020 like you did in 2016. You can't campaign the same way you did. It's not going to work. It's a different time. The country was in a different place in 2016. People thought they wanted a resurgence of white supremacy. Look what that has done. It's divided the country. It's ruined our name and our prestige internationally. But for the grace of God, China and, and, and Putin have marched over the Bering Strait there. Do you know these are things that are bothering us? That's why we are not sleeping at night. Because we don't know that we are safe anymore. Because while the president is distracted about whether he should wear a mask or whether he should run a campaign, Putin and, and, and China are sitting over there like, and if they know, I just want to go over there and test what they have. I know they got some weapons, but I want to test it out. 
and erupt this whole world into a world war? When will America realize that we offer hope to the world? When are we going to come back to that? It's okay. Mr. Trump thought that he could change things and he could change it his way. We know, we know Uncle Donald, yeah? Uncle Donald is, you know, an old white man. Old white men tend to go back to their racist roots when they get old. It is what it is. They tend to forget the progressiveness that they might have looked to or played along with at some point. And then they revert right back to their racism. That's what old white men do. We know that. But it's time out for that. Because the racism that started America did not make America great. The racism that started America was divisive. America became great because America offered hope to the rest of the world. The minute we took that hope of, uh, to the world, uh, away, the minute we took it away, we took away what made part of the fabric that made America great. I know it's not something you all want to talk about. I know most of you just want to think that within your own country, you want to be great. But that's not America. That's America of 1865. That's America of 1845. That's America of 1745. The America of 2020 is the America that has to be a safe haven for the world. It's the America that has to offer safety to all. It's the America that has to offer hope. In the words of Ronald Reagan, be the shining city on a hill, not the tale of two cities, but the America that is able to spread hope and peace and joy. God had to create a country that everybody in the country wasn't killing each other. God had to create a country that wasn't run by dictators who at their women's fancy can order a military strike, who at their women's fancy go send mass groups of people to concentration camps or send mass groups of people and immigrants to be locked up in cages. God had to create a country. When will America rise up and realize that your rule of white supremacy ended in 1865. The minute you crossed over into 1871 and became the greatest economy of the world, you had a different set of responsibilities. America is not going to lose its greatness. We still have the most powerful military. Our military is still 50 years ahead. No matter what Mr. Trump tries to cut Pentagon spending and cut defense spending, we still the rest of the world has 50 years to crack up, to, to climb up to us. So we're not going to lose our greatness. Let me hasten to reassure you. But we're at a tipping point in our nation. We are walking through the fire because we still are allowing ourselves to be held by the burdens and the burdens of the past and the chains of the past that enslaved people. And we refuse to let those chains go so we can walk into the future. The future of the world is ahead of us. We are the future. A world led by people who are multifaceted, multi-ethnic, not just one group of people holding the power. Those days and times are over. We tried that for over 500 years. It got us nowhere but the enslavement of one group of people after another, after another, and a system that we now refer to as systemic racism. That has got to go. It is gone. Why are we still holding on to it? Let it go, America. We even went as far as electing a black president. You know why? He wasn't even really black. He was biracial. He was black and white at the same time. Europe rejected him. Northern Europe rejected him because Northern Europe is what created white supremacy. They didn't like the idea that this upstart country 
would dare elect somebody who did not look like their ancestors. How dare them? Then we elected somebody right after who was old and white, looking just like them, but he didn't know anything. So they're like, what's with this upstart America? Well, it's time for us to teach America a lesson. After all, we are their parents. Europe, sit down. Sit yourselves down. We still have the greatest military on the face of the earth. And we will come calling when you mess with us. Don't play with America. We still have the button. We still got the triggers. Don't trigger us. See how we're dealing with our own internal strife? We don't deal with it like the rest of the world. We don't call out the army on the people. The president was wrong back in June when he did that. That's not the American way, and he will pay for that. Somebody's going to pay for that. At some point, heads will roll. That's why we're walking through the fire. You're watching us publicly expose ourselves to the world of how we deal with our own internal struggles. We're struggling to come out from under the cover of racism. We're struggling to come out from under it, but we will get through it. Because when you go through the fire, you come out of it and you walk right out of it. It's at a very dangerous point right now. All of us, regardless of who you are, we need to pray to make sure that we come out of this. Everybody is on edge right here in the city of Detroit just a few days ago. A young man is walking down the street, two of them. The police looking for one of them. The police found their guy whom they were looking for, but his friend decided that he was going to take on the police. Now, I don't know why you see a whole carload of people with guns and you're going to take them on. Not even I am that brave. And he fired. He pulled his gun and fired at the cops. They fired back. He died. But he pulled the gun on the cops. He's wrong. Everybody's up in arms. We're at a tipping point. The police chief in the city of Detroit had to release the body cam footage to prove to the community that it was justified, that the officer's involved shooting was justified. Are you hearing me? I've never seen body cam footage emerge so quickly. I told the people on Facebook, go home. You're fighting the wrong battle. That's not the battle that we need to fight at that time. While you're moving through this, you've you got to know, it's like pick your battle. You have to know which battle to fight and which one to leave. That one Friday evening was not a battle we needed to fight because there's something more coming down the pike, and we're going to need the police to keep the peace, especially here in the city of Detroit. It's boiling over and tipping over. My only prayer is that somehow we are going to get out safe without losing our edge, without losing our focus. I pray that even now, while we are marching, that there are still people who are sitting and watching Russia and watching China and making sure they don't come within an inch of our shores. Do I have a witness in here? Can you hear what I'm saying? I pray that you open your ears to let the Bible says, who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I'm saying, I am hoping that while we are fighting internally, as these internal fires and struggles are going on, that there is somebody, somebody somewhere who are watching to make sure China and Russia don't creep up at our most vulnerable moment. We're in the midst of a fire that is roiling from coast to coast. Part of it is called the coronavirus. From north 
to south. We're in the midst of a struggle to emerge from the bonds of slavery. Come on now, America. We're in it. We're in the fire. But here's what the Bible says in Psalm 4, in Isaiah chapter 43. The Bible says, when you go through the fire, I am with you when you walk through the fire. I am with you. God is with us, America. Let's not lose sight of who called America to be great. There is a reason why America cannot be found in scriptures. How could we before we were the city? Lost on a shining hill. We had to be hidden so the rest of the world wouldn't come and tear down the hope that God has created in our hearts to welcome people from all over the world, people who are running from strife, from violence, from wickedness and wars and poverty and hunger. And we welcome them and make this country great. Come on now, America, rise up. I speak to Stephen Miller in the White House, the architect of immigration. Where is your God? Where are you? Where is your love? Where are you? How could you be so cruel? You yourself are descendants of Russian immigrants, Russian refugees who came to this country looking for hope. Hope, therefore, America, we will stand. The republic will stand. I'm here to assure us all the republic will stand. Yes, we are fighting. Yes, we are going through what we must go through, but we will come out strong. America will stand tall. America will still be great in less than four years from now. Do I have a witness? Up in here, we will be called America the Great. Russia is not going to usurp our power. China is not going to take our power. The European Union does not have the power to overturn what God has decreed. America is going to stand until God says, no, right now God is saying America will stand. God is not taking our power away because we are the city on a shining hill. Do I have a witness up in here? I do not like Facebook. I do not like Facebook. (laughs) Right? So we've got to look at the ways in which we are matriculating through this, this virus. This is a virus. Racism is a virus. Yeah? Racism is a virus. Racism is a virus. We've got to look at it as a virus. How do you get rid of a virus? The same ways we're doing now is the same things we have to apply to racism. We're walking through this space. It's unprecedented. We're not accustomed to being uncomfortable. We're not accustomed to not going where we want to go. We're not accustomed to not having our ease and our comfort of modern life. But we're headed back into a situation we're, we're going to have to stay home with our kids this fall. I am not kidding you. If I had young children this fall, they would not be going out to school. For the first time in my life, I was grateful that my children are not young. Can you believe it? This will be the first fall I don't have to drop anybody off at school. My children are grown. Thank the Lord. They're autonomous now. But for those of us who have young children, if it were me, people, I would not. I would not be dropping them off. I believe that we must come to some decisions. We need to stop being divisive. This is not about red party or blue party. This is about the good of all of us. We should embrace that. We need to wrap our minds and wrap our hearts around that. 
we need to understand that this is not about me and it's not about you. It's about all of us. What is good for our country right now is we must all wear a mask. What is good for our country is that we can't send the kids back to school into situations where, especially young children under eight, have you ever been around them? They touch everything. They're always coughing and sneezing and sniffling and touching everything that they come in contact with. And you really want to send those precious little souls, those precious little bodies, into a virus where they could contract a virus, and then you don't have them anymore? Do you want to be the parent who is standing in a, by a hospital bed? Somebody posted on Twitter that the reason politicians are censored is because their kids don't go to public school. That is true. So they don't know what it's like. Their kids can you can afford to homeschool. I think the government needs to make it available. We're walking through the fire, America. It's up to us how we're going to come out of it. We gotta let go of some of the stuff that doesn't work. You remember back in the spring when people wanted to march on Lansing? Yes, they did. With their Confederate flag, I said it was going to backfire. I said it was going to, we were gonna pay for it. I said this was going to backfire. Has it not backfired? Within a few months, we're having marches. Within a few months, white nationalists have risen up. I said it was going to backfire. I said at the time we were opening too soon. We needed one more month. But you were all in a hurry to go get your white, uh, what, what is it, French manicures, and to go get your haircuts, and to go out to eat. And now the virus is roiling and running rabid fire through our communities all across the country. Do you know some people are not going to wake up tomorrow? Do you know that within the next few days, this is the week after July 4th weekend. So two, by the end of July, by the end, about the 27th, 31st to the 31st of July, we will start seeing the fallout from the coronavirus and July 4th. Are you ready? Are you ready to see people whom you have loved and respected all your lives? Are you ready to see the rest in peace messages on your Facebook post? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to lose whole members of your clan and your family? Are you ready because you all gathered together for July 4th and because of our culture, we're so accustomed to spending family reunions in the summer? And we did. We gathered together in the summer. We did. Yes, people, we did. Whether we did it on our decks or in our backyards, we did. Whether we did it by the pool or we did it by the lake, we did. Whether we did it on a boat or we just did it on the street in the little boat in your bathroom, we all gathered together. We're going to pay for this. And it's going to come. And we're still walking through the fire because we were hard-headed people. We wouldn't listen. We stopped. The very people who are supposed to teach us to look upon to God, they were the ones leading the march that we needed to be liberated. How could that be? Were they not listening? Did they not see the signs? Did they not hear the signs? 
it, it made me wonder when I saw preachers saying we must be liberated and suing the governor to reopen churches. And I'm like, if you have a message, find a way to deliver the message. You could have sent the message on Facebook to all your people. They would have found you. But you were marching for the wrong cause because you weren't listening. We should have stayed home. We would have stayed safe. Had we stayed home and stayed safe, we wouldn't be seeing this. The the states who ignored the warnings and who did not uh, wear masks and who felt that the economy was more important are the very same states that are now going through it. You've got to understand our president is a, is a businessman. He owns hotels. He can't afford for the economy to be shut down. When the economy shut down, there's nobody going to his hotels. There's no travel. There's nobody playing golf on his golf courses. There's nobody staying in his hotels, nobody eating in his hotel restaurants. So, of course, he wants the economy to reopen. It's self-serving. It's not about you. It's not about getting people back to work. It's about getting his businesses and getting his businesses jump-started. Because while his hotel sits idle, those bills still need to be paid. You still have to pay the mortgage on the property. Just like you running your own church. You still have to pay the mortgage on it. You still have to pay the light bill. You still have to pay the water bill because it's not just that you use less water in the last three months. It's that you've been using water for the last 20 years. You still have to pay that bill. Your property tax is still due. So when people, politicians say reopen the economy, they're self-serving in a way. They're talking about their own businesses. What does that mean for you and I? You're sitting there and we feel powerless. We don't have the money nor the power. We can't change anything. So we end up going back to work and end up what? Losing our lives. Do I have a witness? I kid you not. I kid you not, people. I kid you not. I've never seen a time like this. It is my prayer that we don't go through another time like this. It is my prayer that this is the last of it. It is my prayer that we don't have to see another George Floyd. We just saw one happen in Allentown, Pennsylvania yesterday. And we've got to ask ourselves, what was going through the minds of those three cops, one of whom was female? You have to ask yourself, are you so full of hate that you made sure you knelt on his neck? Did you so caught up in the moment? You don't think? It's like I watched the body cam footage of the shooting in Detroit. And I kid you not. It's see one of the shots that the young man fired, it seemed to have missed the cop's head. You know, at the end of the night, I had to think about that. That cop got to go home to a family. They weren't standing around his body. They weren't identifying him at the morgue. He got to get in a car and drive home to his family. My God in heaven. My God in heaven. The violence that is sweeping our streets. And that is in our streets. So you got to ask yourself, well, what does the Bible say about this? So let me read to you what it says in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, but now says the Lord, and he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
Listen to this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. We need to cross over some rivers right now. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flame scorch you. So here's our hope. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's our hope. That's our hope. We've got to hope. We've got to switch America. We've got to get back to our hope. We've got to get back to what matters. We've got to get back to where am I? What are we supposed to do? We can't just be sitting here, y'all. This is some crazy stuff. Yeah? It is my hope this week that as we walk through the fire, because it's not over. It ain't going to be over. Not for a while. It's going to stay with us for a while. That we come together as a group, as a community, and as a nation. And as we walk through this fire, we got to come together and figure out the solutions to this coronavirus. We got to fight it just like we would fight any kind of military action. We've got to come together. We got to come together and talk about the issues of racism. Do we want to be the America of 1865? Or do we want to be the America of 2020? Which will it be? The times have spoken and have chosen for us. We don't really have a choice in whether we revert to 1865 or we keep marching into 2065. We don't have a choice. The times have spoken. I've heard many times through this virus that uh, learned people and very and people who are studied in the ways and means that this virus works, I've heard them say the virus is the deciding factor. The virus is making the choices for us. We are being reactive rather than proactive. Had we been more proactive, we could have stemmed the tide of the virus, but we allowed the virus to move and dictate and refuse to accept that it was real, refuse to accept that it was devastating. And now we are reacting to it. It's kind of like where we find ourselves now. We have a choice now. We've been given this choice for the last 100 years. Be proactive about racism and our racist past. We've got to let the chains of slavery drop. It's okay. It's okay. You're not going to fall out. You're not going to die. You're not going to lose yourself. We've got to give it up. We wouldn't give it up. And so the times are speaking, exposing us for all the world to see. Not only do they have a virus they're fighting, but they're fighting each other. That's their country. How are you going to fight the very people who helped you make the country great? That's really what we need to ask ourselves. Do you realize that? We made the country great, black and white together. How are we fighting against one another? How? And had blacks not worked the cotton fields and built up the commerce, we would not have had the greatest economy since 1871. When Europe was falling out and ran out of running out of money, after it spent centuries exploring and exploiting other countries and other territories and took all their wealth, by the late 1800s, Europe was suffering. They had no money left. They were running out of money. And so they started letting countries go because they simply could not maintain it anymore. This was the march of the times. 
America emerged because we were a new country. To this day, we still don't have other countries we are propping up. Maybe Israel, but hey. So we are still maintaining our wealth for us. And I'm asking this question. What are we going to do? What choices will we make? It's very clear to us that something is wrong. It's very clear to us that we're walking through the fire. But what are we going to do about it? Are we going to sit back and let our country just fall? Or are we going to be proactive and take the reins of our country? We have a mandate here. We're the hope of humanity. We have a mandate here. We feed the hungry. We take in the broken. We prop people up. We create opportunities. That's our mandate. We give others hope. You can't destroy that. You know, when you put this into context, it's kind of like, how about you? Do you give others hope? When people come around you or walk away, do, you, do they leave you feeling better about themselves? You can tell if you do because they keep wanting to come back, right? Do we do that? Do you do that? It's kind of like even in your own situation right now, we're about to face a housing crisis that has not been seen since World War II. People are about to get evicted, not just in Detroit, Michigan, but across the country as a result of the coronavirus. As restrictions lift, people are going to find themselves, y'all, homeless. Something that terrified me. 110 million Americans live in rental facilities. That shouldn't happen. We should have 47 million Americans living in rental facilities. Why are so many people renting? They're not earning enough to make a down payment on a home. Do you see where I'm coming from? We're walking right into the fire. What are we going to do as a community and as a nation when so many people are going to be homeless? Whole families are going to be homeless. This is what we need to think about and find solutions to. This, when you sit down as leaders of government and as public policy leaders, these are the questions you ask yourself. It's not always just about going to the party, playing golf with so-and-so, and hanging with so-and-so. It's that you sit down and anticipate that's what being a leader is, is having the vision to look down the future and see what could come and have a plan to minimize and mitigate the effects of such things. That's what being a leader is. That's why you go to all these conferences. That's why you sit down in meetings. You kind of come up with, what if this happens? What do we do? Where do we go from here? Now, what are we going to do about this housing crisis? Here in the city of Detroit, they have ramped it up a little bit. They're trying to, if it starts happening, find more places to put more people. If they come in, if they reach out, this is what we're going to do. What are people going to do when you can't get in touch with anything because you don't have anywhere to charge your cell phone? You can't go anywhere to charge your cell phone because the restaurants are closed. Hello? You can't go somewhere to use the bathroom because everywhere is closed. Hello, somebody. Hello, we're walking through the fire. 
in the midst of the summer. We're walking through. It's almost like hell. We're in it, America. The way we're going to get out of it, we've got to come to terms with how we got here. And we've got to accept that, be willing to accept that things must change and that things are going to have to change and be part of the change. It's not enough for you to walk around and say confederacy is part of your heritage. It is, it is a heritage that hurt my ancestors. It is a heritage that brought shame to the flag. Come on now. It shouldn't even be something to be proud of. It's not really heritage. It only lasted four years. If it lasted just four years, it ain't heritage, baby. Come on now. It has to last a little bit longer than four years. To say that people fought under that flag, it's kind of disingenuous to the very idea of the American flag. Have you ever been near the flag? Which flag do you stand under? Look up at the flag. It's still waving. Our republic is still here. I'm still praying that those who are in leadership are still watching and making sure China and Russia don't come near us in the name of Jesus. Lord, keep our borders safe. Amen. I'm still praying that China and Russia don't even get the idea that they want to start something. It ain't going to be pretty. Because one thing with us, you come near us, all of a sudden we drop everything else and start looking and say, hey, hold up. Who you be? America, we are fighting for our survival. We got we to gotta get it together. There is a virus out there. It hasn't stopped. And this first wave is going to roll right back into the second wave. We're in the middle of July. Pretty soon it's going to be August. The kid, there has to be some kind of decision made. I ain't telling you what to do with your child. But if it were my kid, I'm signing up for homeschooling. That's what I'd be doing. I would be signing up for homeschooling because it don't make sense. There are all kinds of decisions that go into that. The kids who are dependent on meals at, at, at school because their parents are too poor. Well, we can make arrangements, but how are we going to find people if they're homeless? How are we going to find them if their addresses have changed? How are we going to send out notices and letters to them? Landlords, I'm going to ask you all, landlords, are you going to be empathetic? Are you going to be understanding? Are you going to not put people out and understand that you're creating a problem? Are you going to enter into a contract with them? I'd say, okay, the old contract is done. We sign a new contract right now. We're going to send massive amounts of people out into the street. And I dare say, as you evict the current crop of people you have, the new people you have coming in are not going to be much better. You're going to be evicting them too. Because there is no sustenance. There are no jobs. All the service jobs have dried up. People won't be able to go back to work because the virus is ruling our lives. We have given our self-power, our self-rule over to a virus. And the virus is just weaving through and through because it has no organization, has no structure. Its sole purpose is destruction. Wherever it goes, it destroys. It came to Michigan, it destroyed our unity as a state. North against South. 
black against white. I got to march under my Confederate flag, even if there's a black lieutenant governor sitting in the state capitol. Oh, well, oh, well, it's my flag. You don't have any affinity or ties to the damn flag. It was over 150 years ago, lasted for four years in a war that the union won. And you're still fine talking about it. That's not your heritage at all. You're clinging to an idea that does not even exist. It is the truth. It's a sad truth. Say you're clinging to an ideology that makes white supremacy work. I can respect that. But to tell me you're clinging to a flag (laughs) that has no power is, is unbelievable. It's kind of like, you see what I'm saying? Here we are, America. We're in the midst of this fire. That's are waving and roiling through our country. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? Are we going to let the fire continue to burn? Or are we going to put the fire out bit by bit by bit? I leave you with the words of Isaiah 43. The fire will not consume you. Yes, it's going to burn. Some of us are going to be scorched. Some places are going to be torched. Some of us are going to feel like the fire is literally running up and down our skin as the coronavirus sweeps through our families, sweeps through our communities. We're going to drive through our cities and towns and see businesses whom we used to love and enjoy and see them closed permanently. It's bothering me. Yes, it should bother you too. All these mom and pop businesses that people put all their life events in, everything that they earn from that business, made their lives work. All of that is gone. It bothers me. And you're blaming the politician who chose to shut the state down so you can live? Lose your attachment to it. Have life. Life is better. Look at Michigan State. The state of Michigan had a governor who refused to do anything else but listen to the science. You know what happened? We have lower cases of coronavirus. Then they put pressure on her to reopen, and she said, okay, how about it? Now we have reopened too early, and the cases are spiking again. A classic case study. Do you see what I'm saying? And now Arizona, Texas, and Florida? Wow. I take a deep breath, y'all. Breathe, America. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We will get through this. We will get on the other side. But we're going to have to come to terms with what this virus has exposed. Had the coronavirus not happened, most of us would not have had the time to sit down and watch the George Floyd video. We would not have. We would not have seen that racism is so endemic. It's systemic. We would not have taken the time to understand it. And now that we do, we realize we have to do something about it. So right now, we have to go back to the source, looking up onto the hills, looking up onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking onto him to lead us through this time, to lead us through this fire. Wear a mask, yes. Wash your hands, definitely. But we got to get through this on the other side. Keep it moving, America. Got to keep it moving. I pray for all of us. I pray that we make the best decisions for our cities and our communities. I pray for the folks who are suddenly going to find themselves homeless 
roundabout from the 15th of July onwards. I pray that as a community, we will wrap our arms around the people. We will not leave the people and their children on the streets. I pray that the violence in the streets will stop. I pray that the aggression will stop. I pray that we come to terms with some parts of our past that though uncomfortable, we must reconcile. I pray that we come to this part now where we got to move and it's called reconciliation. It's going to hurt. We're not going to like it, but we're going to have to reconcile. We've come to this part and we got to reconcile because we got to get through this fire. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Go to my website, harrietkimmick.com. I encourage you, if you have the time, go and get a copy of my book, Through the Fire. I did write a book called Through the Fire, unaware of Isaiah 43 and 2. I became aware of it later. Through the Fire is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. And as usual, go to my podcast page on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and listen to my podcast and support us as we continue to bring this message to you. Thank you so much. Today is Sunday. If you are able to, go out, enjoy the Sunday, and pray for us. We're going to need it as we walk through the fire. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thank you so much.